This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the business at hand is the business of security in school settings and particularly in commercial settings. Ever since the uh, shootings at Columbine High School uh, several years back and more recently the shootings at Sandy Hook Elementary School in, in Connecticut and very recently uh, here in the Atlanta metro area, the FedEx facility um, that is uh, in Marietta, a suburb of Atlanta, there's, there's no question that the importance of security uh, in, a, in a given work setting uh, or a school setting has become of paramount importance particularly in the presence of, of, uh, of bomb threats, uh, active shooters. And so today we're going to be talking with Chris Wise, the CEO and founder of Invictus Consulting, to learn more about how they're helping clients to protect themselves against these intelligent active threats. Welcome to the Business Hour, Chris. Well, good morning, Ron. Thank you so much for the introduction. Chris, why don't we start off by offering uh, a very broad-stroke overview of what Invictus does uh, for its clients. Uh, tell us a little bit about the range of services, and and then we'll get into um, how the company was founded and about some of your other entrepreneurial ventures as well. But tell us a little bit about Invictus. Sure, Ron, thanks. Invictus Consulting is a consulting agency that is uh, very intentional in its approach to services for on-site assessment, uh, data review to include interview processes with executive management, facility management, frontline security personnel, and an effort to determine what the potential physical risks are to that facility in the event that we have an intelligent threat, specifically speaking to active shooter. The components that we use to come through with those uh, the data measures allow us to see not only the physical barriers, the geometry of the facility, the ingress, egress, how do I get in and how do I get out, but also the electronic components that are used to manage that facility as well for reporting capabilities as a result of the data collection, as a result of the interview processes, and as a result of the site assessments, we begin to write an actual plan to uh, administer to the facility of what to do in the event that they had this intelligent event occur. Uh, the addition of the, the plan also allows us to communicate that effectively and uh, uh, work with them in, in a drill component so that we practice that on an annual basis as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Chris, but I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that uh, even some extremely well-run uh, corporations, large corporations with multiple locations uh, that are highly profitable, um, are oftentimes uh, very vulnerable, um, that that the range of uh, vulnerability to preparedness is vast and uh, big or small. There could be smaller companies that have thought through this. Certainly uh, in the case of where uh, Invictus Consulting or a professional has been engaged to help them with preparedness, but uh, even in the absence of that, there are just some companies who are more vigilant than others and who have actually uh, created some security measures of their own. But is it true that, that big or small, 
um, companies have this wide range of very vulnerable to, to highly vigilant? You're absolutely right, Ron. Right, Ron. And, and the overview in the psychology of what an intelligent threat is uh, in an active shooter, uh, the, the psychology of what an active shooter is, it ranges from the disgruntled employee to the scorned lover to uh, uh, mental instability and how that arises and when that arises. To be quite honest with you, could happen uh, in any commercial environment that any of us are sitting in today. If we sit down and begin to process, what does that individual look like? Uh, it's really hard to put a definitive answer, say, this is Jimmy, this is Sally. Unfortunately, we work in environments where those conditions are every single day. Uh, large, small, uh, medium, uh, all of us need to be in an, in an environment where we're protecting ourselves for, the, for this un, unnatural occurrence. The, the same processes and the same mindset went into play at the turn of the century as it related to fire. You know, there were a lot of individuals that were losing their lives to fire on an annual basis because there was no preparation. There were no ways to, to notify individuals that were in the building. Now, uh, at the turn of the century, when they began to understand that, hey, we have an ability to notify individuals, uh, to put planning in place, we have standards in place that have been protected lives for, for you know many years now. We're starting to see those trends take place commercially and in the education sector as well. We understand that there's a threat. Now, what do we need to do to prepare ourselves and alert ourselves and act accordingly? That's, a, that's an interesting analogy because as sad a commentary as it is, it's the reality of the social Certainly. evolution of the times um, that we have to be made aware of the kind of threats that uh, Invictus Consulting helps companies to deal with. Before Invictus, you had founded a company, um, Security 101, and Security 101 was a company that helped companies with um, more physical aspects of security preparedness. You rose up in the ranks uh, with large commercial security companies even before that, so to a very large extent, you are ideally suited to be consulting now um, and and training your own consultants to work with uh, companies because there is the sum total of preparedness technology techniques systems uh, you know that range from closed circuit uh, TV uh, monitoring various surveillance systems visitor uh, control systems. Um, let's 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 go back for a moment and talk about your background, even prior to Invictus, and and maybe even before Security 101. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background, and um, where I typically might not uh, have a a guest talk about their background this early uh, in the program. Yours plays um, so perfectly into your your current role. Let's let's go back a little bit and, and tell us about. Uh, the foundation that was laid uh, that you've built upon to become a security expert? Sure. Well, the irony in how I entered the security arena is, is very ironic in that I was uh, a security guard in Atlanta, Georgia in 1986 in an effort to work my way through college. Uh, and I started in 1986 working midnight shifts as a security guard that did uh, standard patrol around some of the not-so-nice parts of Atlanta. And in so doing, I had the opportunity to study at night and go to school during the day, and it worked really well. I was recruited in a very short period of time to go to work for a very large electronic security provider. Uh, at the time, they're the oldest provider of electronic security 
in the country, a uh, very well-known name uh, throughout the world. And I worked for them for a number of years. And in, in beginning my career there, I began as a file clerk and worked midnights again in an effort to support my financial needs through college. And after graduating, I went into a technical role and, and pulled a lot of wire and installed a lot of electronic devices. From there, I went into a customer service role and did training and I did renewal contracts. From there, I went into a selling role from there into a sales management role, from there into a general management role, which led eventually into a regional director role. Having the opportunity to learn, if you will, the fundamental basics of security application from the ground up in a commercial arena really set the foundation for what security is, and, and it gave me the privilege of understanding that security really hasn't changed since the beginning of time. Who can go where? and when and the ability to report on it. Those standards and principles really haven't changed since its inception. What changes consistently are the technologies that we use to employ to do that. I worked in that arena for a number of years and uh, left for a short period of time and went into the manufacturing world as a uh, regional representative as well. And the, the one thing that was increasingly clear to me in the corporate environment were that the deliverable of services were, in most instances, in my opinion, were, were subpar, that uh, deadlines weren't being met, and that in the corporate environment it was more about quarterly shareholder value, not customer service. It wasn't about truly meeting the needs and determining what the security uh, concerns were. It was more about the revenue and the, the billable dollars on a, on a monthly and quarterly basis. So I had an epiphany that I could do this better and that if I were to take the collective experience that I have and mortgage my homes and finance myself that I, in short term, could do that. And, and that is how Security 101 was born almost 12 years ago. How would you, um, how would you characterize uh, what the Security 101 mission was when you the, began? The mission, and I wrote an, extent, an expansive business plan, the mission was very simple. It was in, in an effort to create a company to deliver unparalleled service to an industry and a market that at the time had been inundated with acquisitions and in so doing rise to the top and be recognized as one of the premier fastest-growing commercial uh, electronic systems integrators in the country. By offering excellent service. By offering excellent service, yeah. You got it. Um, There are a variety of uh, technologies out there these days. In fact, um, one of my guests um, several months back uh, viewed me as a a technology that uh, is a Atlanta-based company, uh, Norcross, I think, to be specific, um, that is involved in uh, the research and development of uh, visual uh, identification systems, everything from infrared to, to night vision, mm-hmm. um, so that you can use a combination of, uh, you know, telescopic imagery on the perimeter of, uh, of a uh, facility uh, to uh, integrating with facial recognition <laughs> software. And so all of those uh, technologies are out there and in play, and one of the things that you learn to do is to work with a lot of those different technologies. And even though Invictus is not involved in the design and the installation of that technology, uh, that's some of what uh, you did uh, with Security 101. Is that right? That is absolutely correct, and you are so right in the delivery of available technology and the uh, adaptation of that technology changes literally daily. And the in the early days of security, we had intrusion detection and very basic access control of a key, a brass key, and then that evolved into what we all know and what the listeners understand is a card that I present to this thing on the wall. It beeps and it lets me in or it doesn't let me in. We've seen the evolution of this technology converge with 
the IT infrastructure and the media infrastructure that supports the workstations and the clients. The convergence of logical security that we speak about is logical security is how I log on to a network. What are my credentials that allow me to sign on to Active Directory and access my workstation at work? Physical security is physically how do I get into that building with this card that I carry and get in. We're beginning to see the convergence of these technologies to include some of the higher-end technologies that allow us to dynamically present, for example, if I'm trying to get into a building uh, and, and coming in off normal hours, it doesn't let me into that door, I could dynamically present the video associated with that event to a security operations console or via SMS or email. But taking it a step further, if I don't use my car to get into that facility and I sit down and try to log on to my workstation, the system should be intuitive enough to understand that logically I didn't come into the front door. Physically, I shouldn't be able to log on to my computer as well. The ability to implement biometric technology, the ability to implement perimeter security without the need to pull a, to pull cable around a building, just using the dynamic uh, availability of the camera view, viewpoints and use the analytics that are written is far and above where it was even seven years ago. You know, I want to drill down for, for a little bit um, uh, into some of these uh, state-of-the-art technologies that are actually being uh, used by um, primarily companies with the resources um, and that have security departments um, where um, access is very carefully controlled. Uh, I want to get into just a little bit more of that, but we're going to be taking a break. When we come back, we can talk a little bit about uh, you know visitor control and also employee control, um, which are similar but different, um, but we'll talk about that. We're here with Chris, Chris Wise, the CEO and founder of Invictus Consulting. We'll be back with Chris right after this break. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com. Brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national... Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Hi, I'm Ray Bowman, hoping you'll join us each Friday at noon for our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you by FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, only on America's Web Radio. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Chris Wise, the CEO and founder of Invictus Consulting, a firm dedicated to helping its clients be prepared to deal with intelligent threats. And, and we've defined intelligent threats as those threats that could range from uh, an, an active shooter to, to a bomb threat and variations uh, thereof and before the break we were talking about some of the technologies associated with 
um, preparedness and monitoring um, surveillance of intruders. But also, I wanted to ask you, uh, Chris, about some of the technologies associated with uh, even controlling the movement of employees uh, within a, uh, a facility. Um, I would imagine that some of the same uh, smart card technologies that have gone into uh, uh, banking cards have been applied to security um, access. Uh, I- am I correct? You are correct. The ability to utilize a credential to allow access to certain areas of a facility based on department, based on individual, based on time of day is the fundamental basics of access control. The technology that you're speaking to of a of smart card technology that uses a single platform to manage my bank and my banking information, my access control information. Perhaps it allows me to purchase in, uh, food at the cafeteria in my corporate environment, or even now we're using the four copy machines. That technology is certainly making uh, a large rise and is becoming more acceptable in the Americas. It's been around for a very long time, and it's, it's been implemented and used quite successfully in the European countries. And, you know, again, I, I have to say as sad as it is, uh, it is the reality um, nobody likes to uh, think that we have to have a a big brother-like environment that uh, is in, uh, intrusive uh, on your privacy and uh, tracking your uh, every move uh, within a facility. But it's the nature of the times that we have to be careful because of the uh, uh, ever-growing potential for these threats and. Monitoring employees is as important these days is simply because, and you mentioned uh, while we were off the air, that the majority of these threats do still come from intruders, but there's a significant number that come from within. It's, it's either former disgruntled employees or someone who knows someone in the facilities you, you mentioned, um, but it could also be people who are currently employed um, that are the source of the problem. Is that right? Certainly. The disgruntled employee is, is we, we are seeing a, a rise in the disgruntled employee and the, the individual that feels like they've been wronged in some way in an effort to come back and show their self-justice on, on site and on premise. And the importance of being able to take that information from the day that it's disseminated of we've terminated the employee because the employee has found employment gainfully somewhere else is much different than we have terminated an employee because they threatened to assault their immediate supervisor with a hammer. That is a real condition that we faced. What I do with that information at that time is, is critical. Taking the information and being able to send it into a security platform so that if the card credential is not deactivated, not allowing that person to come in through the front door, we have a potential risk the next day when they walk in to the front of that facility. If it is presented, we want to be able to dynamically present that information effectively, efficiently to the pe- to the people that can do something with it. So I'm not supposed to be in the building because I threatened someone. I presented my card. I need to be able to do something with that information. Now, now speaking about getting the information uh, to the people who can do something with the information, I, I want to mention that Invictus, as well as uh, your previous company, Security 101, um, actively uh, work in partnership with the Georgia, in, in the case of, of uh, Atlanta-based and Georgia-based uh, businesses, uh, the Georgia Emergency Management Agency and Homeland Security, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, uh, their terrorist uh, hazards group, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, including their active shooter 
um, Statistics Group and their Active Shooter Incidents Group, the Department of Homeland Security's Active Shooter Preparedness Group, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which I wanted to get into sure. in a moment, um, which regulates emergency response plans um, and um, their emergency response plan uh, publication, which um, sort of helps to keep people informed about these potential threats. But, you know, you work with a number of government uh, agencies so that you are getting uh, information which your clients are making available to you, and in turn you're helping them to get the information to the right uh, source. Is, is that right? Certainly, and the gathering of information today is so critical, and the way that we're going about creating plans and disseminating what the correct way and the right way to implement a plan is, it varies tr- significantly from facility to facility. The gathering of the statistical data allows us to continue to build upon a platform that we're just in this country starting to employ. We have very specific standards for fire alarm installation and evacuation and code and how it's monitored and how it's managed. There are no such standards today for these particular threats. There are requirements to have plans. There are requirements, as we'll talk about in the OSHA regulations, that we have the ability to let individuals know through mass notification systems. But in an effort to take what is currently happening on an average of every 7.33 days in this country with an active shooting, take that information, combine that information. We learn from how we've responded to those active shooter situations uh, over the years, what works, what doesn't work, and we begin to build on that, use that library of information. I, I mentioned that we would talk about OSHA later, but let's, let's uh, drill down now for a bit. Um, does OSHA address uh, these intelligent threats? Uh, OSHA, OSHA does address, and OSHA does have a requirement in uh, 1910.38 is the specific code section. This code section speaks to the ability to have a emergency plan in effect in the event of a, a catastrophic event such as an active shooter. It is surprising to most that I have talked to over the last few months, uh, most being facilities directors and property managers and even HR directors, that this is even a requirement. We all are familiar with the code requirements of having a fire alarm evacuation plan, of having a severe weather evacuation plan, certainly here in the southeast. What do we do? And the question remains whenever I walk into a building, what do you do when that individual walks in and begins shooting? Do you pull a fire alarm? Well, if we do that, the evacuation route sends everyone down into the lobby for effective evacuation. I just put them into the path of an effective active shooter. So we can't follow that same plan. If I pull a fire alarm, that enunciation, if you will, that sound, that noise that it makes is for a fire. It's not for an active shooter. How do we alert everyone in the building not to come to the area of the active shooting? Perhaps we don't bring the elevators to the ground floor. We bring them to the third floor. We don't tell everyone to evacuate. We tell them to avoid by hiding into their office, closing the door, and getting away from any glass to let them be seen by the active shooter. The implementation is my business partner looks at and what makes Invictus Consulting unique is that my 28 years of expertise lie in the large integrated electronic implementation and creation of security operations centers and how we disseminate this technology. His lies tactically in the geometry of a facility and what is the varying difference between concealment and the ability to uh, to conceal or to cover uh, from gunfire. What is the evacuation route? How do we defend ourselves if it comes down to that? Avoid, deny, defend is the basic implementation of the active shooter. And does OSHA's um, 1910.38 uh, apply to uh, only large companies or does it apply to small companies as well? It's my understanding that the code section was written to any employer that has 10 or more employees on, on premises. 
so that these days uh, you have um, organizations uh, that include, um, let's say, fast food establishments um, where we've seen incidents occur. Sure. Um, are those HR departments uh, the responsible uh, groups within that then instruct um, each of the uh, locations, again, in, in the case of fast food locations? If we're to break so it down to its most fundamental terms here, Ron, what I, would, what I would say that, yeah, each department, whether it be retail, whether it be fast food, whether it be large commercial environment, and they task an HR department or whether they task a facilities department with you are responsible for this building, there is a fiduciary responsibility in that given re- task to protect those individuals that are there. That in and of itself includes what do we do in the event of an emergency? What do we do? So they are tasked with this type of emergency. They just, unfortunately, in most instances, haven't been made really privy to this could really actually happen at this place. And um, are school systems subject to the same uh, regulation? School systems are, when we start talking about school systems, we start talking about governmental governmental agencies. It's, it's very ironic that you mentioned that. I have uh, very recently been made aware of in my interview and uh, on-site meetings with various schools throughout the southeast and government agencies. Uh, My perception would be that we have enlisted very and highly qualified government um, employees that that could sit down and write very specific plans and employ these plans and drill these plans. I was really shocked to find out that most of these locations had no planning in place had no mass notification in place, and really had no way to provide a drill in these governmental buildings. So uh, to speak to what they actually are supposed to have, there are very strict guidelines, you know, into what schools should have. And unfortunately, what we're seeing are that individuals are looking at the protection of their number one asset. What is your number one asset? They're looking at the liturgist consequences of not having a plan in place. That's that's more been the issue. Are we in compliance? So speaking... Uh um, of school systems and the the marketplace uh, that includes lots of commercial businesses, uh, starting with um, those medium-sized companies that don't even have a refined security uh, program in place, because the big uh, corporate giants, you know, the UPSs Certainly. and the Coca-Colas, have people on staff focused um, in the in this area and that you may work with to certainly create a more heightened sense of uh, uh, awareness or preparedness but those middle range companies and school systems let's just talk for a moment about how you um, determine who it is that Invictus um, targets um, how do you how do you, how do you determine who it is that you think might benefit from your services and and how do you initiate those uh those discussions. That's the the target market for Invictus Consulting, and sitting here, and we, and you know, for, you know, rewriting the business plan, if you would, of Invictus Consulting, and who is it, and to whom are we going to talk about our services? the The reason that we created Invictus, to be quite honest with you, is when I when I created Informed Security One Hundred One, the the tagline was Security One Hundred One. What we do is we protect people, property, and profits. How we do that is with the design implementation and installation of electronic security application and hardware sets. 
in most instances, I was finding that it really is a budgetary constraint. And the, the number one assets of, of corporate environment are all relative to how much money do they have to spend to protect their property and their, their assets. And people were always left out. And that's very ironic, and I'll say that openly. That is the truth. The, the reality of the target market. And yet they will say um, that their people are oftentimes their greatest asset. And, and 99.9% of the time, that is the exact answer that we get. And then when we sit down and begin building the design to protect their people, significant amounts of it get cut out. So target markets for us are anybody that truly, truly need to protect their number one priority, which are their people. We're uh, going to be taking a break here, but when we come back, I want to mention that you have a highly qualified uh, partner and co-founder in Dan Stevens, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, his qualifications and how the two of you uh, uh, are perfectly meshed uh, to provide um, the the architecture Mm -hmm. for setting up this uh, intelligent threat preparedness, but also the technical side, which uh, Dan uh, provides. We're here with uh, Chris Wise of Invictus, and we'll be back to talk with Chris more about security in school settings and commercial settings right after this break. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory. Ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. With all the back and forth in today's politics, It seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we're here with Chris Wise of Invictus Consulting, and we've been talking about the kind of consulting services that Invictus 
uh, provides to its clients in the way of security in the face of intelligent active threats, which could range from uh, bomb threats to uh, active shooters. And, of course, we all know that, unfortunately, the times dictate a, a preparedness unlike we've ever had to have in the past, but starting with the Columbine High School shootings in Colorado, the Sandy Hook uh, shootings in Connecticut, uh, and more recently the FedEx facility uh, here in the metro Atlanta area, uh, these threats are a reality, and uh, and that's exactly why OSHA has a, um, a compliance clause, if you will, that requires uh, companies of 10-plus employees, as you pointed out, to actually have a preparedness for these kinds of threat uh, process in place. And, of course, not everybody does that, just as uh, not all companies have uh, uh, fire drill uh, plans uh, in place or uh, even well-practiced or particularly well-practiced. Before the break, I, I mentioned your partner, your, your highly qualified partner, Dan Stevens, and we've talked a little bit about your background uh, that has included helping uh, clients, commercial clients primarily, with integrating uh, a range of threat technology, surveillance uh, procedures, systems, um, uh, putting them in place, the design, the installation, the customization of uh, hardware, software, and systems that help monitor uh, intruders and um, control uh, visitors. Your partner is very much uh, skilled in the area of tactical operations. And I, I, I want to read for a moment. I apologize to listeners that I'm going to read, but, but I want to be specific about Dan Stevens' background who isn't an, uh, an expert in intelligent threats and has been in law enforcement for over 20 years. Uh, his background is, is tactical and instructional uh, security, nine years' ex- experience with SWAT teams as an entry team leader, an assistant tech commander, a lead instructor for a state SWAT uh, school. Uh, he's also held the position of field training officer for two state police field posts, I uh, served as the use of force coordinator for the Department of Public Safety for major state police department and was instrumental in the development and implementation, implementation of the state's active shooter program. He certified uh, ALERT, that's the A-L-E-R-R-T, Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training Instructor, and is the lead active shooter instructor for a large metro police agency troop. So that uh, essentially, Dan Stevens is the perfect uh, complement uh, to your skill set, and, and, and together you're able to help uh, companies and schools uh, to look at the big picture from the range of early perception, early detection, surveillance, uh, to actual response. Uh, and, and, and is that uh, uh, exactly the range uh, of, of, of services, early perception, detection, 
and response. Y- exactly, and to make and, and the acronym that we use is very very simple, and it's not and it's not new to to the industry or certainly new to the public. And it's ad the ability to avoid, deny, and defend, and the ability to avoid obviously is avoid this active threat, uh, be able to uh, distract yourself from it, defend, or I'm sorry, deny is the ability to uh, deny the presence of that threat into the facility and at all last cost defend and defend unfortunately means it at all costs protect your life with whatever resources you have available in his tactical experience he looks perceptually and physically at areas much differently than i do and the humor for us is when we sit down and begin comparing our notes how do we lay those over it's a very unique perspective of gathering the geometry and the tactical experience that he has and also the first responding agency. You know, what is their response when they first arrive, and what do they look for? We talk about in areas of the southeast that have the concealed weapons permit law, and we have concealed weapons in a, in a given commercial environment. How many guns are in a business today? How many of our listeners are in an environment where there are multiple guns in that environment? That's okay. That's their law. If there is an actual active shooter that arrives on site and the police officers are dispatched to that site, they're dispatched there because someone has a gun. And if those with concealed weapons pull out their gun when the police officers arrive, what do they see? (laughs) People with guns. So inclusive in our plan and inclusive in our drill, we begin to discuss logistical conceptual items just like this. What do we do? Understand what the responding agencies are going to be looking for, where you should be, and how you should react in the event that they should arrive. Is one of the things that you do, Chris, is to, in the absence of a security department at a given school or a uh, commercial operation, is to have them designate a uh, security person. Um, for starters, it, that is the person, uh, whether it's the head of HR or um, someone who's been acting somewhat in a security role, and they now become the person that you actively work with so that when there is a situation and there is a, uh, a, a police component, uh, the police can work and coordinate with a point person uh, at the uh, at the site? Absolutely. And the designation of who this individual is, again, varies, whether it's a, a university, a school, or a commercial environment. By the very nature of w- the requirement of having a bound plan and it being drilled and it being disseminated to the individuals that need to know how to do this, there is, a, uh, there is by default, an, a, an appointed individual. Now, whether it's HR or whether it's facilities or whether it's uh, the simple layperson that sits at the front office, they, they are charged with, with doing this. So in an effort to provide them with enough information on what to do in the event that occurs, we part of what Invictus Consulting does, and, and giving away a couple of our trade secrets and is needed, we invite over the responding zone commander, the responding agency, and we make the introductions and we share the, the active shooter plan and we allow them to walk the building and see the facility and understand to whom it is that they need to be corresponding so that they have as much information as possibly needed if that unfortunate event ever arrives. You know, traditionally, this area of security has almost always been a government. There are security departments within companies uh, that are um, associated with uh, the prevention of, uh, of theft and, uh, and to uh, some extent uh, guard against intruders, but um, it has been government agencies that have been the point source 
for helping companies to maintain preparedness. But would you say that these days that uh, there are probably uh, at least a few companies uh, like Invictus Consulting, and I know that in, in some ways you're, you're unique uh, in the approach that you take, but uh, would you say that uh, companies like your own are, are now rivaling anything that the uh, government uh, can provide to the private sector? I would say that, you know, in, in, in the use of the word rivaling, I would rather, you know, use the word uh, concert, to work in concert with, but absolutely. The, the immediate need for the private sector and the governmental agencies that are out there to employ strategies to mitigate risk is imperative. Yeah, in, in fact, I mean, yeah. the, in the rival is what I, in, in the sense that you, uh, now there are resources Certainly. Uh, in the private sector uh, that, that, that rival in terms of being on par, you know, having uh, sort of equity as far as resources and, and, and intelligence about uh, intelligent uh, threats. Uh, because it would seem to me that uh, just starting with yourself and your partner, Dan Stevens, um, as well as your, your team of consultants, that you have uh, the makings for a homeland security-like expertise, if, if you will. Um, tell me about the name uh, Invictus. The name Invictus, you, you, we discussed this a little bit before we went on air. The name Invictus is Latin for unconquerable, and, and the decision uh, to, to come up with a name for what the services were that we were going to provide. We wanted to be able to provide a name that caused question, if you will, from a marketing perspective, but, but absolutely spoke to the foundational uh, support of what this company was going to do. Uh, the, the initial name, actually, from my business partners wasn't received very well, but the, the whole idea that we're, we're creating a plan. We are we are making recommendations to create an environment that, for all intents and purposes, we would love for every environment to be unconquerable. That that really speaks to the name and what and why we chose the name. Now, Chris, it it, it would seem to me that you probably um, are focusing uh, on U.S. companies, uh, but I could imagine that uh, there are organizations around the world. Uh, that are in need of your consulting skill set. Uh, tell me who it is that you actually focus on as your as your marketplace. Our target market again it, uh, it is is broad in nature. We have individuals that are on our team that provide um, the assessments that are capable of doing K through twelve and specialize in, in university settings. Any large commercial base that even has an existing security team that has an implemented security disaster recovery active shooter plan, we certainly can come in and make recommendations and and do an overview from the tactical side as well as as the electronic side and just simply make recommendations to enhance. We are looking and have really seen a large opportunity, an unfortunate gaping hole in the the commercial property management sector that there are very large buildings that are owned and have multiple tenants within the buildings that have no plan. Uh, they, they really don't have an idea of what to do in the event that they have uh, these unfortunate tragedies occur. So today we are spending a good deal of time uh, creating lunch and learn environments and educating. And we're finding a lot of response coming from the commercial property management group. We're going to be taking another break. Um, when we come back, Chris, I want to have you tell us a little bit about uh, whether you think that uh, school systems are, are getting better at uh, preparedness in in this regard 
and how public um, schools might be comparing with um, private schools, um, how elementary and high schools uh, compare in their preparedness versus universities, which have traditionally had uh, sure. greater resources. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and more uh, with Chris Wise, the CEO and founder of Invictus, uh, where we're talking about security uh, in school and commercial settings right after this break. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. Hi, this is Kate Copsey, inviting you to listen year-round to America's Homegrown Veggie Show every Saturday at 10 a.m. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Chris Wise, the founder and CEO of Invictus Consulting, a firm dedicated to helping schools and commercial businesses be prepared and to respond to intelligent active threats and uh, as we had mentioned earlier intelligent active threats can include anything from bomb threats to active shooters and because of the the nature of of today's social landscape it's a reality that businesses and schools have to be better prepared than ever for these kinds of threats right before the break i i asked you chris if you would address how well prepared school systems, uh, universities, high schools, elementary schools um, are today, uh, certainly they are more aware, but are they measurably better prepared? Um, are they do you see evidence that they're moving m- more actively toward uh, preparation? And of course, lots of school systems, especially in small towns, don't have the resources of a, of a large university, for example. Certainly, certainly. Um, but those are some of the settings um, from the University of West Virginia to the University of California at Santa Barbara to Sandy Hook Elementary School, Columbine High School. Uh, those are the, the, the schools that people are familiar with, unfortunately, because of active shooters. What's going on today? Are schools um, better preparing themselves? To, to answer that question, absolutely. I think that the heightened awareness of what has been occurring since Columbine is is very readily we, – we can see it very readily today. The uh, 
what resources individual schools have as it relates to budget, as it relates to manpower, as it relates to resources, it, it varies in, in, in various parts of the country. The private school sector, in, it's been my experience over the last year specifically that we have seen a, a stronger push towards technology and a stronger push towards implementation processes with, with uh, a, a greater sense of urgency, if that sounds fair to say. The university systems, since the uh, Virginia Tech shooting and with the unfortunate conditions of how that transpired, there was a lot that was learned as a result of that. Universities uh, take into consideration, as do most commercial environments, what is the risk that, that we're faced with and what is the cost to avoid that risk. And an, an unfortunate measure that they use is what, what are we going to do as a result of our measured risk versus the cost to employ technology. That doesn't mean that they're not employing standards. That doesn't mean that we're not seeing universities become certainly more aware of and, and how to plan and address the event of active shooter. We are seeing that. And we will continue to see, in my opinion, as this trend continues to face us, we will continue to see universities, schools, and even commercial environments become more prepared and more aware, and, and awareness is half the battle. I appreciate that you mentioned Virginia Tech. Uh, without uh, interrupting me and correcting me, I said uh, University <laughs> of West Virginia, and of course it was Virginia Tech. Chris, I understand that uh, you have uh, done some public speaking and that um, one of those uh, themes that you've, you've hit upon is uh, helping people who um, oftentimes need to get beyond some challenges in their life and, and go that extra mile. Tell us a little bit about uh, the public speaking that you've done. Well, thank you, Ron. The, the public speaking that, that I enjoy being able to provide and the groups that I am able to provide this, this uh, title presentation of just one more mile to, it varies from, from church groups to large corporate environments and it's uh, inspirational in nature and the design and intent of this speaking engagement is to let everyone know that, that through the challenges of life that we have and we all, inf we all face at some point in time very difficult challenges and my reference to those challenges are bone crushing events in life that fortunately or unfortunately mold us into the individual individuals that we are it, we look at these dynamically as they're happening and there comes a point in time that we just want to put our head down and quit that we just want to say i've had enough and through my life experiences good bad and different through my love, desire, and passion for endurance events through the creation of multiple businesses and seeing the rise and failure of, of friends and family. There's a common theme that we use, specifically in the endurance world, that if we're about to embark in a ultramarathon run or a 140.6 triathlon that day, we don't look at it in terms of I have to run 50 miles today, I have to run 100 miles, or I have to bike 112 and then run this 26.2 distance. In, in the heat of that moment, when your body is screaming at you to just stop, it's no different than the heat of the moment, standing in the emergency room when your child is in ICU or you've lost your parent and your brain says, just stop, just quit. The reality and the perception of what we are able to do to allow us to get through these events is to put our head down and understand, I don't have to get to the 26th mile marker. All I have to do is get just one more mile, 
just one more mile. And in life, as in in these endurance events, we look up and eventually, guess what? The finish line's in sight. And that is a sincere passion that I have to share my life experiences to that point. And and it's not just um, finishing the race. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just uh, uh, race scenarios. There's there's probably more uh, energy to deal with a uh, competition than there is when you're just practicing, when you're just working (laughs) out. You mentioned to me off the air that... I think you said you were getting in uh, 100 miles um, cycling. Um, I I don't think you mentioned uh, the running component, but then you said somewhere along the way you need to get in a two-mile swim um, so that just one more mile is relevant to your workout. It absolutely is, and it's become – someone had asked me uh, at at one time if the life circumstances of of my recent uh, life is – had I been able to survive those circumstances because of my endurance philosophy and because of my sports – and I answered conversely that it was my my childhood and it was my business uh, successes that have allowed me to be successful in the endurance environment. Let's talk about um, being an entrepreneur because certainly you have started up uh, a couple of successful operations and um, I'm wondering if you have advice for uh, young students that are thinking they might want to go into business uh, as an entrepreneur, maybe from the get-go, or whether there are people out there um, working for larger companies or for someone else, and they're thinking about becoming more independent, becoming an entrepreneur, do you, ha- do you have any advice uh, for someone uh, who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? The heartbeat of the country that we live in today is the ability to be entrepreneurial and chase your dreams. And the reality of our economy is that it flows heavily and solely on the backs of the small business owner. And my advice to anyone that is in school, any individual that is in corporate America, any one that has any inkling of an idea that I think that I want to own my own business, chase your dreams. Chase your dreams. And if I were to ask anybody that is listening or I were to ask those that are sitting in this room, what are the three things that you always wanted to do in life? What are they? And we begin to process what those three things are. I would then ask the question, then why don't you do it? Is it scary? Absolutely it is. Is it a test of intestinal fortitude? You better believe it is. What advice would I give? Put your head down if it's what you want to do and know that you'll get where you're going to go. You've got to work hard. Know where you're going to go and, and just, just go. And it doesn't have to be a bucket list. Not not, not at all. No, it not could be um, um, much, much, much sooner. In fact, I think the younger you are at uh, setting your sights on a, on a, on a goal, uh, oftentimes the more achievable uh, those goals are. Um, I know that when I first started uh, my first uh, advertising agency, um, I thought it was scary and exhilarating. <laughs> would you say that that has I, I been would, some of your experience? I would absolutely agree. That, that To me, the most important part of the ability to capture our dreams is what is our dream and why are we chasing it to begin with? Am I chasing it to please someone else? Or is this truly, truly something that I want to do. That creates, in my opinion, that intestinal fortitude that allows us to capture it. What about um, advice for someone out there who's thinking about a career in commercial uh, security? The 
relevance to educational preparation for this industry has changed over the last 10 years. They are now creating degrees technically and uh, in the professional sector to speak to exactly that. I would say that if anyone has any desire or think that they have a desire to get into this industry, uh, that they certainly um, put some research into the time to invest in the education. Maybe find a program that find a program, offers co- find a courses. Program, absolutely. The the industry is changing, and as I'd indicated, that if uh, an individual is technically uh, proficient, if they are technically inspired, if they enjoy the technology side, but they also enjoy the aspect of the physical, tactical side of security, it's a great industry to be in, but, but look at it from an education standpoint. They, they might discover that they're more inclined toward the uh, cybersecurity side of things Poss- than the possibly, uh, active uh, intelligent threat uh, scenario. Um, well, I really want to thank you, Chris, for taking the time to be my guest on The Business Hour. Thank you, Ron. I really appreciate it. It's been a great, great morning. You've been listening to The Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m., Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.